Hello and welcome to Unfertility, a podcast that is centered on breaking the silence, stigma and shame around unconventional fertility journeys through the voices of Black women. I'm your host, Noni, and I'm so glad you are tuned in as we hold space for my next guest. Dimela Ma! Dimela Likai! How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm good. <laughs> Happy to be talking to you again after how many hours on that phone call? Gosh, that was a long one. But I was, it was so good, though. So like, good. I really enjoyed so it. Good. You know, that's when you know you really connect with a person because, like, exactly. first time, it go on forever. So, yeah, it was it. good. I'm yeah. so excited about this conversation. So, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, too, for having me. <laughs> so we can start by you introducing yourself. Who are you and what are you about? Yes. So I go by Aquia Ankara, um, just by genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also am known in the corporate world as Jane Ankara. And I am, um, I choose to call myself a fertility advocate who is passionate about educating people about infertility with the aim to destigmatize people's approach and thoughts to infertility. Mm-hmm. I also um, help people realize their dreams of being parents in whichever form they choose. I think that's a right. That's not a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, I also um, believe that women should advocate for themselves. So I'm mm-hmm. educating women and men to advocate for themselves whenever especially in the healthcare sector I've realized you've got to be your own best advocate nobody you like you would and um, finally you know I'm advocating for infertility causes such as insurance coverage believe it or not Mm. but it's several countries around the world it's not just in America that insurance does not cover even in South Africa insurance does not cover um infertility treatment meanwhile Mm -hmm. it's an illness Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that need just like cancer or any other illness you know that needs to be but yeah for some reason insurance companies then the government does not recognize it as illness and as a result of that the um insurance companies are not mandated to yeah yeah so how did I come about to be an advocate for this? I have mm-hmm. dealt with infertility for 14 to 16 years and it's still going. Infertility doesn't end once you get it. Yeah. Way after you've given birth, um, mm. they'll deal with infertility. So I'd say 14 to 16 years of my life, I'm still dealing with infertility. Mm. But um, through my struggles, through my journey, I've been able to have two beautiful daughters um through it and so that's why I'm an advocate and speaking out about it Mm, mm. so you can actually go on and tell us a bit about your story and your journey and how we got to the two beautiful baby (laughs) girls (laughs) yeah so my um my journey was where I was going to the hospitals actively every year doing my pap smear everything Mm -hmm well over 10 years and I was not diagnosed with infertility and I every year I went and I told them I'm trying and it's just not working and they would say but everything checks out good and it's funny because actually this morning I was reading an article that they were saying if you have fibroids uh pap smear can help to detect and I'm thinking I did that every year and they never detect yeah I don't know what test these people were doing on me honey Mm Clearly, he did not pick it up that I had fibroids. Yeah. Fast forward to um, my 12th year of just living with infertility in my marriage. I went to see an endocrinologist um, who then within an hour told me that I was saddled with fibroids. And I thought, how could they have missed it? How could the OBGYN had missed it three months. Twelve years, yeah. Yeah, three months before that, I was at the OB's office. They did extensive tests because I was raging with anger, telling them, "We've got to, you've got to give me something more definitive, like Mm -hmm. unexplained infertility." And they did all kinds of tests, and it still came out good. So, I checked myself into an endocrinologist, and Mm -hmm. he's saddled with fibroids. 
And because of the timeline, I was basically at the cusp age-wise of where my air quality is going to be dropped at a rapid pace. And Mm -hmm. so they quickly rushed me to do an MRI within three days of seeing the endocrinologist. And within three weeks of my MRI, I was having an abdominal myomectomy done, of which they pounds worth of fibroids wow it was mind-boggling it was very disturbing to know that I had been walking around and had no idea that my body was carrying this did I have symptoms I did but I I was gonna ask you yeah did you have any pain or I had the frequent urination I had the um because the fibroids were actually sitting on my um on my um, bladder. bladder. Yeah. The, according to the doctor, they were so densely packed that there's nowhere a sperm could swim through. Like, wow. I, I did, I, when I did the MRI within 24 hours, he called me. And the first thing he said is, You are infertile. And I, he was like, They are so densely packed. There is no way a sperm could swim through, a baby could let in this or could even survive yeah and I cast my man my mind back to how I missed it one of it was the frequent urination like I just mentioned plus the staining of myself was a constant thing like mm. heavy 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 flow heavy staining I'd stain my bed I stain my clothes mm. wearing black and gray and navy wow. blue were my colors like that's all I had in my wardrobe all these years and they did not realize that it was because of this fibroids that I was living this way. So I totally neglected myself, yes, because mm. I think that's what we tend to do as Black women. Yeah, 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 you absolutely. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. Um, I'm busy in the corporate world. I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder. You're yeah. a spoken Black person in there. You don't want to look like a bum, a lazy yeah. bum. Show up even when you're when you can't, you know, when you can't, yeah, yeah. while neglecting my health. And so Mm. I took out the fibroids. Um, I went back for three months follow-up and they realized another fibroid had grown in the inner cavity again. And I was go back under the knife to remove that fibroid. So when I did that, then, um, I think two months or so later, then I started my um, fertility treatment with an IUI because it was concluded that the only way I could get pregnant was through fertility treatment. So Mm -hmm. we did an IUI, uh, I want to say November 2017. That was my first, mind you, my first fibroid surgery was in May. My second of 2017, my second one was September 2017, Mm -hmm. November 2017. 17, I was doing an IUI. It failed. Mm-hmm. I went in December to do another round of IUI and they noticed a fibroid was growing in me again. Oh my God. So we did that um, fibroid surgery. We, so we did the IUI knowing that I had a fibroid. Okay. Um, and it did not work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in January of 2018, I started IVF treatment cycles and they did see the fibroid again. Um, and so I went through the whole cycle, the retrieval, mm-hmm. just before embryo transfer, they realized that the fiber they had seen in December had grown and needed to be taken out. So in March of 2018, I went back. Another one? Yes. Under the knife. Oh my God. But within a time space of 11 months, I had had three fibroid surgeries. Yeah. We um very aggressive, aren't they? It was very aggressive, and it yeah. always went into the inner cavity. So, like sometimes fibroids can be overlooked if it's mm-hmm. somewhere else, but right, it's currently okay. where the baby lies. Mm. So it was like if they ever transferred, it would push out the baby. Um, wow. and so they didn't want to take that risk. Yeah, yeah. Um so when I did my surgery in March, we waited a couple of weeks and then we went straight to embryo transfer because they were scared if they waited longer, I would have a fibroid. That, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I carried the pregnancy really rough because my body had taken a beating for 11 months of going under the knife. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah. just going. And by my seventh month, I had to be put on bed rest because my feet was horribly swollen. I was not sleeping. I started mm -hmm. having swollen feet, I'd say about three to four months, but by seven months, it was not manageable. Wow. And so I was put on bed rest. And then yeah. December, I went to deliver my baby on December 26th, which was a planned C, a scheduled C-section delivery. And mm -hmm. during my delivery of my baby, after they took out the baby, they realized that I, my placenta would not eject itself. And as a result mm -hmm. of that, I was hemorrhaging to death. Um, it's wow. a medical condition called placenta increta. We have accreta, increta, and then there's a third one. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Um, and basically what had happened was the scar tissues from the surgeries, my placenta had attached itself to that oh, wow. surgery and so it wouldn't eject and um so they had to put me to sleep um in the midst of uh, right after taking out my baby and did a total hysterectomy on me wow so did you were you awake to have the conversation or it was like straight no um, real big conversation around removing it was uh there was no conversation i was awake for the c-section birth yeah um but when i just heard i remember lying there and hearing the machines turning and you know the good thing is when when you go into the theater like sometimes they'll ask you what music do you want them to play and so i had okay. asked, i had asked for chris tomlin um, oh yeah yeah so they were playing that song and all i heard the surgeon say was turn off the music and then she got on the phone and this is i'm lying down my baby has oh, been given to me and she's on my chest and yeah. i heard her say something on the phone like placenta and creta and she comes rushing to me and she looked at me and said you're hemorrhaging to death and we're gonna have to put you to sleep to do a hysterectomy on you and i just screamed out loud oh, because cool. all I thought about were my embryos that were on ice. <laughs> In the moment that you were dying. <laughs> Love, when you've been through so much to have these embryos, girl. It's true, you know I, mean? I get it, I get it. <laughs> I gotta get my embryos out. I love that. Like, you know, you're dying here, but oh my God, my embryos. I, I screamed and I was like, what about my embryos? And my husband just looked at me and was like, calm down, we'll figure that part out. Let's not worry about that. Not right now. Not right now. It was oh a hot God. mess. I love that. A hot mess. Like, I just, yeah, <laughs> embryos. That's, that's all I could think about. So they mm -hmm. told my husband to take the baby to the NICU. Um, mm. and, and they... I mean, the room just got immediately filled with all the top surgeons and the uh, anesthesiologist and, and mm -hmm. they came to me like, we're putting you to sleep, put more epidural in me and everything, mm -hmm. put the mask in. Wow. So I woke up with pints of blood sitting by me and was told that they had to give me, um, they had to do blood transfusion on me to save my life. Mm -hmm. The delivery was just like nothing I had never imagined. I never knew, you yeah. know, it was a given that you went to give birth and you came out. You came well, out, yeah, yeah. It was a very eye-opening experience for me to know that it's not a given and it's only by God's grace. Absolutely, so, yeah, wow, scary. Yeah, so it was, it was very scary. And um, delivery was, delivery, recovery time was really long. I stayed in the hospital for, I think, six days. Mm. Versus, the normally would keep you, if I say section birth is two days. Okay. Um, but it was six days because it was a, my, um, it was a hysterectomy. And mm, exactly, yeah, yeah. Here in America, we don't get much maternity leave, as you know. Yeah, you said, yeah. And so the doctors postpartum for me was real mm. it was really real. the doctors took me um kept me home for i think five months yeah me back to work um yeah i guess that i yeah. guess that wow yeah. 
gosh I just I can't even like you know imagine it you especially because I always think about this a lot when you're trying to get pregnant then you do get pregnant it doesn't end there there's like no it doesn't it doesn't infertility follows us like I said I mean we're still dealing with it right like it's there's no recovery from that as as, as, yeah there's no I don't know how to describe like there's no wholeness no I mean that piece that is gone it's gone for like it's it's gone gone. for good yeah yeah you just have to emotionally recover from yeah but you know the piece that is not functioning it's mm. never going to function. Like, I don't know wow. it. Ever, you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah, I get you. And that's why it's such a serious medical condition that needs to be really looked at. Absolutely. Not yeah. be played with because, I mean, people can recover from blood pressure in some instances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Diet, perfect lifestyle, healthy life. Mm-hmm. You can get those meds. Um, diabetes, you can get off those meds if again lifestyle changes. Infertility, mm. if you don't have a womb, you don't have a womb. That's it. That's it. You know, yeah. If if you don't have your tubes, you don't have your tubes. They, they mm-hmm. can't get tubes from somewhere else. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I've There's not much that can be done. There isn't much. We can mm. make do and help you get the baby, but there isn't much to re- yeah. re- for that part yeah. that's missing, you know. Yeah. So it's a lifetime um illness that yeah. we just need we just have to learn to live with and make do. Yeah. And related to related to that then, what happened for the second? After we um after the delivery of my baby, three weeks later, literally, my husband mm-hmm. and I were driving down a road going somewhere in some rural place in here in America. And we talked about wanting to have another child. And I brought up the um, the idea of a surrogate just based on, again, my embryos on ice. And <laughs> like that was like, no, I'm not going to forget embryos. <laughs> I love yes. that. So we, um, so he agreed right away again. Mm-hmm. Why was it so easy for him to agree? Because we had dealt with infertility for so long mm. that when we seeked, we finally got help, we just, we wanted to go all out to make mm-hmm. it possible. So there was no backness and forthness of should we, should mm. we. It was just like a one-time conversation. I mm. can not uh, one time. And he just said, yeah. And so we wow. went on and um, I took it upon myself to look for a surrogate. We're going to definitely talk about the surrogacy bit because I think that's such a, you're the first person I've ever spoken to who's, you know, who's, who's openly spoken about it. So we're definitely going to come back to that. I think lots of people will have questions on that and I hope I can cover those with you. But I wanted to, um, to just ask you how you feel the whole 14, 16 years has impacted you and your husband's relationship you know the infertility the IVF and then you know going through the surrogacy as well how has that impacted your your marriage or you know yeah both of you my marriage was going to end from my Mm. um I was just going with it um infertility takes a toll it takes a beating it's an illness guys like my heart just cries so much Mm. and I see holistically how it impacts you from your yeah. physical well-being yeah your mental your I mean it's just all encompassing and it just boggles you my mind to, yeah yeah that yeah. people cannot see this as an illness mm. how did it impact my marriage communication broke down mm. we couldn't agree on treatment plans mm. there was right this person is doing their own thing this person is doing it at some point we resolved to saying we were okay with living without children mm. and so i i go to work and i don't come home till it's time for me to go to bed wow and this is the same and then you come home that's to- so painful to hear but I, I i i know what you're saying it can happen and um 
he did this, we did the same. You come home and you basically, you have this house with five rooms or whatever, but you only use your bedroom and the kitchen mm. and back again. Yeah. yeah. Very, very um, depressing. Yeah. And um, so I think for him, even though he doesn't talk about it, I think his coping mechanisms, whenever he came home, he had to drink something. He had to have some drink yeah. and go yeah. to yeah. I didn't want to see that. So I didn't come home. I just stayed mm -hmm. and worked and worked and worked. And when I came home, I went to bed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we talked about divorce. Mm -hmm. Normal. We're going to get a divorce. We're going to get a divorce. It was just, yeah. we never went anywhere. Mm -hmm. I leave the house and go, you know, stay at a friend, a, girlfriend's house for a day but I'll come I always came home yeah yeah it was really hard it took a big toll on us I also what I did also to keep myself outside of work was I really um got into a lot of girls weekends girls trip. Mm -hmm. I was a champion planning all the girls activities yeah <laughs> hey let's do game night you know yeah like, Let's do, um, <laughs> let's go to the beach, let's yeah. the spa. Let's, you know, I was just really doing a lot of girl stuff. I liked the single girls too a lot because we had more flexibility than <laughs> most of the babies. I was just like, yeah, you got to think about I the can. baby. I know. <laughs> let me get my single girls and let's go. <laughs> because I felt single, you know, in the certain. Yeah, certain I get that. Um, and I so. Get that. But the underlining thing was neither one of us was happy, even though we were both saying we're okay leaving childless. Right. And it got to a point where I actually brought my niece to come live with me from Botswana. Mm. To university, everything. And it still was not cutting it. Thank you for sharing that because I think for a Black African woman to share that, that side of things, you just don't hear that so much. But it's real. It, it can real. happen. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. It's, especially when you can't even agree on treatment plan, right? So my treatment plan was, let me bring a family member and let's raise her as ours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And, you know, it was a one-sided thing. I did it. I brought her and took her yeah. and all that stuff. And then I realized either way, I'm never going to be her mom yeah and um that's when I was like no this is not gonna cut it I need mm. to you know and so even going to an endocrinologist was a drag like he didn't want to go mm. like and that was when I was like if we don't go together we gotta go our separate ways like we cannot continue to live like this yeah I continue to live like this mm. um and so went to the endocrinologist we got the diagnosis and um you know we started and he was supportive at that point of the treatment mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, and I think he was still very uneasy yeah when the result came which was the pregnancy then he really like could everything. not believe it. everything just yeah. the way we are um a peed in a paw People, <laughs> they call us, is that what it say? Yeah. Inseparable. Um, oh, wow. Infertility has, at the end of the day, made my marriage super duper strong. Oh. It has ever been. Going through it, it wasn't that way. Yeah. But working towards the end and, you know, now where we are here, mm -hmm. you can't tell him otherwise. Wow. So I mean, it was his idea for a second child. Like yeah. I wanted it, but he was the one that approached me and said, can we, I know the situation, I know the condition, but I've just been thinking in my head, how can we do this? And I was like, well, surrogacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and wow. he was the third. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, would you have, would you do anything differently 
uh, I mean, based on the fact that infertility took you to that kind of extreme, looking back, is there anything you do differently? Um, I guess I was looking to see that it, both of us were going to take that step. To, first, we we're going to agree yeah. to take that step. I was waiting for that moment. Okay. And that never happened. So the what would I change different is I would have gone on and done it. Is it fair to me as a woman? No. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's a question I have every day. Where I'm like, why do we have to go through? It's because infertility, mind you, is not a one-sided equation. It's two. It's two people. Yeah. Two people. So a marriage is two. I'm not in the marriage mm -hmm. myself. But well, again, women have always taken the brunt for it. Mm -hmm. Automatically is a woman that people mm -hmm. assume. Even in yeah. the rest of the world. And yeah. it's 50, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, um, it was really what I would have done different I would have taken the steps that I did later on. Right. Earlier. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 And actually, the next one is um, the fact that men get lost in this journey. When you decided then that I'm going to take this step and do this, were you were you conscious about him kind of getting lost, you know, in, in the in the whole process or were you focused on yourself uh, or were you quite conscious about like, you know, bringing him into the fold and and that sort of thing? I was conscious about bringing him in. I kept him in the loop of everything. Mm -hmm. And if he wanted to, I did, I didn't twist his arm and say, you got to do it with me. Yeah. I was like, I left that to his discretion to okay. say, you know, I just told him, I gave him full information. Mm -hmm. Now you take it and decide what you're going to do with it. Are you going to come and support me? Mm. The reality? Or am I just going to walk on it alone? And he came along every surgery. He was, he mm. came, he came for the surgeries. He was there for the transfers. He was there for everything. The pregnancy, I can't get my head up. He's on running to the stores to buy the stuff that I can hold food down, you know. So yeah. he was he came along, and I think it was because I was communicating it to him, even though before we got there, it was a struggle, right? Because I had to drag, I had to be like, yeah. I'm going to the doctor to yeah. get assessed and stuff. But yeah. once he we found out what it was, he just followed. That's great. That's really amazing. What a turnaround, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what are the, some of the things you wish you knew before the infertility journey, but before also even IVF and then before the surrogacy journey? What are some of the things that you wish you were equipped with information wise? It's not OK to bleed heavily. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not normal. Yeah, it's not normal to feel pain during sex. Yeah. You no, know, like we don't get this education. We don't. It's so sad. You know, it's so bad. So that you go to school, then you get a good job, mm -hmm. and then you get married, and then you lie on your back and you have a baby. Boom. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. And I wish I knew that that was not always necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And what were the other options that yeah. I could have? Fertility preservation is one I've been talking about a lot lately. And mm -hmm. I tell the young ladies and gentlemen, mm -hmm. you need to preserve your fertility. Black people don't even get told that. There's not even an option given to us when we go to the clinics. Not at all. Why people know about it. And they yeah. it. it's a standard protocol for them. But it's well, even in companies now, it's like part of a, a perk. <laughs> Having yeah, Benefits. yeah, yeah, yes. Mm. And so I am talking a lot on my Instagram page, fertility preservation, y'all. Mm -hmm. If I knew what I know now, mm. I started my career and I was all into my career and making decent amount of money. I could have easily gone to pay that money yeah. embryos and pay to store my husband's sperms as well yeah that but 
we didn't know. No, and that's the difference. Not knowing can be the difference, you know? Yeah. Option. So for me, um, just edu- I wish I had been educated more. And I wish those that went through this, because we're not the first. We're to- not. It's <laughs> Surrogacy and infertility has been going on for generations. And you and I both know, know in, in Swana culture, yeah. you know, it doesn't work out. They will take the woman to another person behind the scenes. Truly. Take them and bring them back home. Yeah. yeah. We did it. We just yeah. didn't have a name for it. And now medically we've attached a name to it called surrogacy or we've attached a medical name to it called infertility. But it was always existing. Absolutely. But never discussed. Never, never discussed. Mm. So I wish that those that went through it mm. told me that, mm. honey, this, I'm not wishing it upon you because, you know, we are, we love our religion too. People might be like, oh, you're cursing me. Don't you curse me. But no. Would you dare? <laughs> you're wishing it upon me. No, mm-hmm. honey, you need to know the truth. So you know how to pray about it too and pray against it. That your life. Yeah. But no, for me, I think it's like just knowing what can happen. It probably won't or might not in high right. But just knowing, because then when it does happen, you're not in this state of shock. Like, what yeah. is going on? Because no one's ever had that discussion with you, you know? Give me that option to know. That's mm. all I'm asking. Mm. Mm. Give me that option to know. And let me make a decision for myself. And let me yeah. know how to pray, too. So I don't exactly. pray I'm praying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with everything. Everything, everything, everything. So I really wish, um, those are the things that I wish someone talked to me. I wish I knew about fertility preservation. I wish I knew that it wasn't a given that um, you had to experience pain in your periods. And that would have been an indication that there was something wrong. Mm. Get it checked. Mm. You know, I wish I knew. And I would say also, I think in your case, like getting a second opinion absolutely and the another very important thing they when you go and you see the doctor and they say nothing is wrong mm-hmm. don't take that like she said second opinion but mm-hmm. if you decide that you want to still stick with this doctor that's telling nothing is wrong keep pressing on yeah why, okay why am i still not getting pregnant mm-hmm. and she tells you we've done the fsh test or whatever and you, it shows you a positive what what else are we going to take? How about womb lining thickness? How about you need to throw them out? You need to know specifically, why am I having this? Can yeah. you just test to tell that it's genetic? Because our mothers never told us anything. 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 At all. And they probably don't know. <laughs> and they probably don't know either. They just, they they, have, yeah, exactly. That's what all we, we are all doing. Like, oh, I'm just aging. You know, justify the reasons and keep going. Yeah. So she was like, oh my goodness, I didn't thought about it that way. I'm like, yes. But again, it took me going through this mm-hmm. just telling me every day that you're fine. And I took it because it's a doctor who knows, doctor. knows better than me. Yeah. Their um, word as the rubber stamp that I needed mm-hmm. to see that I'm perfect and I'm in order and mm-hmm. I can't live in my life over 10 years. And then I realized that wasn't the case. Because, wow. And then I suddenly realized they're not gods. They're not. Know it all like we think they do. So we need to question them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And just what you were saying at the beginning about, you know, advocating for yourself, you have to do it. One of the ladies I spoke to today, she said, you have to take away all that being shy or quiet with when it comes to this, you really need it. But even a lot of things, you just need to advocate for yourself and ask the questions, say what you want, get to the bottom of things, not just masking over it with like I I think I think a lot of it is also because we don't want to be termed as the angry black woman yes or the angry black man voice a little bit especially for the man a little I mean I could not imagine if let's say something was going on and my husband didn't approve of it and try to say something but say sternly they would say he raised his voice yeah he was aggressive was aggressive Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. But he was not, he's just trying to get his point across. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to hear him. Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. I would never thought about that. That's such a good point. And that's the same way with us too is mm -hmm. you can only hear me when I scream. Mm -hmm. I want to sit there and talk to you very nicely like I do now. Mm -hmm. You don't hear me because not too many of us also tend to come out and complain. Yeah. Yeah. So when you finally go and say, I'm feeling pain, like serious abdominal pain, they're looking at you like, it's what's wrong with this one? Why haven't all the other sisters complained? So right. meanwhile, all the other sisters have got the pain too, but they just choose not to complain. Yes. So yes. it's a problem that we as sisters need to do better for ourselves. And I, I tell people, if you feel like you have, if you have a headache, even if you feel like you have a headache, say it. Say it. Let them document it so that you are added into the count. Yes. We are. Now, they, when they see that the numbers are increasing, they start diverting more funds to it. To different things. Or research. Yeah. It's yeah. And patterns being picked up and like, okay, this is, yeah, I agree with that. It's mind-boggling. Fibroid still has no treatment. Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's crazy. Why? Yeah. And we, for some reason, we don't have treatment for it because we, we're not complaining enough. Enough. It boils down to. For most of us, by the time we, die, we get diagnosed, it's so advanced. It's yeah. our ability to do things. That's why we showed up there, right? Yeah. And so yeah. then that's when we finally joined the statistics. How yeah. many? They're wallowing with it and they are not part of the statistic. So there's no reason why they should divert funds to it because there's not enough complaints to justify Absolutely. why they should divert funds to it. Absolutely. And actually, a lot of women find out when they are pregnant. A lot of my friends found yeah. that they had fibroids at the point of the pregnancy is now already there. And you're just like, and you know, one of my friends, she's like, I've never had anything wrong or symptom. I literally had no idea that I've got this. And so that's why I think, really, I think there has to be a fertility, like fertility health MOT, I think from the age of 25 or even younger, you should start just having regular checks on certain things so that by the time you are, I think for me, by the time you have, you want to have children, it's too late to be finding things out then. I feel like you need to be having, being empowered before that. I, I feel like, yeah. That I, needs funds. Like you're saying, they don't have to divert funds to something like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel. I honestly feel like we, just like how we're big on talking about finances and finances is very key and everything. We want to prepare these um, younger people to when before they go out that they are financially responsible. That we need to start incorporating health, health, women's health, men's health. Mm -hmm. and about fertility preservation as one because the truth is more and more people are given birth later and later not because of anything but society has put so much pressure on us young people that we've got to work mm. that money mm -hmm. because of societal pressure you got student loans to pay at least you're yeah. a manager. you got things you know that you need to get rid of before you can start that family so yeah. you working longer and it's not something that personally i don't see it slowing down anytime soon so we need to start incorporating this things about fertility preservation so if i know that i'm gonna have to do this procedure called fertility preservation that costs ten thousand dollars and i knew that in my when i was 20 mm. i planned for it that by 25 to 30 just like how i plan for vacation i will plan exactly. for that procedure financially and make it happen yeah 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 i know you're right you're absolutely right. Why do you think then that black people, we don't talk about these things? All of these things were just- Culture, stigma, church. <laughs> I'm a Christian, That's don't- Facts, facts, facts. <laughs> I am a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And go, you, you could go check out when I, I write my spiritual journey and I write my physical journey. Mm -hmm. But we've been raised to believe that when you call it by name, mm. fertility, you're owning it mm. and you want to the devil and the devil is going to run with it. Yeah. But also I choose to see it as I'm calling it by name. 
so mm-hmm. I can address it and tell the devil to get out of it. Right, right. So, and also, for lack of a better word, you know, mm-hmm. if we know all these other options that are out there, mm-hmm. right? Some yeah. Some that are hanged up on money. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to get that money. Mm. Pray your money. Mm. The ones that would say, come and let's pray for, you know, we see it in South Africa all the time. <laughs> telling people to eat grass and all of that stuff. Come, let's pray for you. And buy county so I can pray for the blessing. Yeah, and bring this money along so that we can pray for you, for you to get pregnant. Get pregnant, yeah. Yeah. So once, if if we get enlightened that these other options are there, Mm. I'm gonna be going to the exactly uh, the 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 church to give that envelope to. So yeah, you're gonna take that money to the fertility doctor. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I I think it's just I I mean, like I said, I was raised in a home where um, prayer is everything, mm-hmm. right? But. I think my mom was also smart enough because my mom actually had fibroid surgery at 40. So when I, I was diagnosed with it, I yeah. was shocked because my mom had it. And she told me and I saw her do the surgery. I saw everything. Uh-huh. So for me, it wasn't a hidden thing as in mm-hmm. most homes, it would be a secret in my home. It wasn't. Yeah. Well, she was smart enough to also raise us to know you need to go see the doctors and get the opinions and stuff like that. Yeah. My mom's just like, no, we're going to pray it out of you. Exactly, exactly. Something that is literally a diagnosis, like yeah. just like that, the, that God also has allowed for it to happen by giving the doctors the wisdom. For the it. wisdom. That's how I see it. I'm like, yeah, God is intervening right there. Yeah. It's not a given that you do an IVF cycle and it works. Exactly. It, exactly. Takes a, it takes a miracle for it to attach itself. It's not yeah. a given that you do a surrogate. You carry, you have a surrogate carry your baby. The surrogate is a human being just like you. Yeah. It takes God's grace a miracle for that mm-hmm. um, embryo to stick into the surrogate and make it through the nine months. Right. Because it can also Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Of you course. Know? And then what made you want to speak about it? You know, taking away the fact that, oh, you know, black people are going to say what she's doing or whatever. Why were you so compelled? Why did you feel so compelled to still do it? Because I was angry when I realized there were all these options that I could have taken that I didn't take because nobody told me. And I find out the hard way by going back and asking and asking and asking and asking, asking a healthcare professional, maybe my sister down the line Mm. could have told me Mm. what her challenges were and stuff so that I would know to advise myself. Yeah. And I re I hate uh, creating things from scratch. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a waste mm-hmm. of time. Main thing. Let's channel our resources, energy into something else. If I have discovered the issue and have found the solution, let me share so that you don't come and waste your time settling around the same that. thing. Take that energy and go build on it to do the next thing. Yeah. That's how you progress. Absolutely. Like, I'm watching you. I've been through it and I'm watching you go through it. How good? Quietly. Yeah. How good are we? How am yeah. I helping? How are we building each other up to get mm-hmm. to the top? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so that's me, If I find something and it has worked out, even if it hasn't, I'll just tell you. Maybe it might work for you. It didn't work for me, but I'll let you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing no. what I'm doing. And did you ever have any resentment towards um, people or God? You know, even like Christians saying certain things that are just like, what on earth are you on about? But even God at some point, you know, 14, 16 years is a long time. Yeah, I mean, I asked God, I don't know if I had resentment towards God, but I definitely asked him why, Mm. why that was the one thing that I didn't have. Mm. You know, I did the prayers, I did the fast and I joined the, what is it, the prayer group. I joined Mm. the women's group. I, I gave my time, I gave my resources why why yeah 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 you know yeah 
Um, and how about towards people? Towards people. It's funny. I actually, my dream was always to have girls. Like I just okay. loved I didn't want any boy babies. I don't know why. I just didn't. You're so lucky. <laughs> yeah. And so it's funny. Whereas people in the TTC community tend to sh sh um, stay away from people that have had kids because it's a... Yeah, trip. yeah. For me, it was yeah. like, you have the girls, bring them on to oh. my house. Okay. I so many toys. Mm. Only one that walked any child that walked into my house left my house with with toys. So mm. they loved going to Auntie Jane's house because you always got a toy with you. Yeah. Um, and so you weren't for, triggered by it. Huh? You weren't triggered by no, I was actually using that to, you know, claim and call my own babies. And every time as I I didn't just give you the I would have said a prayer like God, as I'm sewing into this child, please remember me. Oh, wow. I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Um, when I was going through my cycle, I was conscious of surrounding my supports, having my support system have um, include mothers who had girls. Right. And there was one girl. So I had three people that were giving me my shots for the IVF cycle. Okay. And one of them was my, of course, my husband. And then my other girlfriend, I was single. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one that had three girls mm. and we all live within a mile radius. And so on, I put, I had them on a roaster. So mm. it was the one with the three girls, her turn every time before she gave me my shot, I'd say, pray for me, say a quick prayer. You didn't, I didn't need you to pray 10 hours or 10 yeah. minutes, one minute prayer for me and give me my shot. Wow. And she would always do that. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That's just so powerful. Like honestly, well, she would always because, and I told her, I was like, I want girls, mm. I want girls just like you. But you know, that's kind of manifesting. I don't know if you've heard about manifesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And literally, you manifested it. Yeah, yeah. We are girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Oh, so I love that. I love that. Yeah, it was, you know, I I didn't really have any. I went for baby showers. In fact, I organized baby showers. <laughs> I did. I my neighbor, who she had just moved here and didn't know anybody. I mm -hmm. rallied up all the women in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know her for that's me. really great that it didn't uh because for a lot of people, baby showers especially, they find it very I, difficult. Yeah. I've seen that, but I, I did a baby shower. I participated in so many baby showers. Mm. So many. Mm. It was insane. I, what you said, you were using that, uh, I mean, those moments rather to kind of invite those energies and, you know, sowing your seed. When you said that, it, it, I can see why you, you saw it differently because it wasn't like me against them or whatever. It was like, no, no, no I'm taking and, and, building on that energy and I, I love that I'm going to take that away I really like that well thank you and that's why I post on you know IG too with my uh, pictures and yeah. you know, I'm hoping that rather than it turning people off mm -hmm. and I'm sorry if it turns you off like I just can't help it for mm -hmm. me it has, I was drawn to people that were right the way i was hoping to get to okay i'm with you yeah well yeah. i wanted to see it more so than stay away from it right yeah yeah, yeah. and that's that's so i'm so happy you shared that because that's so different to what i've seen and heard but i i see your logic in it as well and yeah i love that i'm definitely taking that away i think that's my my next question is what's your key what has been your key teachable moment of your journey but what you've just said for me is my key moment of this. Yeah. <laughs> I just choose to see it as this is your path and this is my path. And mm -hmm. I need to, you know, accept. Accept, yeah. And work on it to move from where I am now that I don't want to be. To, to where you want to Not look at you who has gotten there as an envy or something. I'm not critiquing by all means those oh. that see that way. I am not 
in any shape or form. We're just all different emotional human beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And work for us different. Yeah. Yes. And that for me is how I have seen it. Yeah. And so that's how I go with it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what have you learned about yourself in the, in the entire span mm-hmm. of however many years? I didn't know I was this resilient. Right? Yeah. I, I had it in me. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, if someone had told me, they looked into a crystal ball and said, this is what you're going to go through and da, 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 da. I would probably would have said there's no in chance I'm going to survive. Mm. Mm. And, um, I'm here. We're still here. Yeah. Two girls, not one, but two. Oh, right. Wow, man. Honestly, your story is just, <laughs> I can't get over it. I really can't get over it. I mean, I, I just remember when I lost my womb, I just really remember saying the words that were ringing in my head so much was, there were two things. Mm. Blessings maketh rich and added no sorrow. And I didn't understand why. Mm. Um, Mm. You know, that was one. And the second, and, and actually I lost my job too after I gave birth. Yeah, I remember. I got laid off because I had exhausted my uh, family medical leave act. Okay. During my maternity. Oh yeah. My pregnancy of being on bed rest, I had exhausted all that time, where I had to be protected from not being able to be laid off. I was still entitled to maternity leave, but it right. was protected. So as soon as my protection date ended, which was two weeks after I delivered, I got laid off. Wow. But I still had my maternity. But uh-huh. before the layoff, as soon as my baby came, the first thing was his blessings maketh rich and added no sorrow. And I didn't understand. Mm. The second was against all odds. It was just like ringing in my head against okay. all odds. I'm going to have another child. Like it was just wow. nagging sound against all odds so everything i did was i would tell myself against all okay. odds it's gonna get done mm, i love that wow but what gave you that conviction though like what is it that's you know because obviously if someone's watching this they'll be like yeah i want to feel like that but how do i how do i believe that you know i just looked at my life story I looked at my family story. Mm. I've had aunts that now that I know mm. about fibroids, some never had kids. Yeah. Or, and my, my family on both sides, they're not big at all. I think my dad, they have four siblings, which is not very common in African. I know, yeah. <laughs> my mom's side, they had six. Yeah. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. And on my dad's side, you can count the number of grandkids. Mm. Like on your 10. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. We were not even up to 10, I don't think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Four children. Mm. And in talking to my aunties, I realized fibroid was a big one. Right. We had one child. Yeah. One did not have any. Mm. I look so I I really did a analysis. My mom's side, one had six, that was the most. And my mom had asked three to four. And then there was another one that had three or four. And you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I looked and I was just like. I'm not going to, this trend is not going to continue. And the day my baby was born through the surrogate, I spoke to my auntie, the one that has one child. And I said, I don't mean to be ugly. Mm. I don't mean to put you down. I'm so grateful for you. Cause she came and spent a lot of time with me when I had my first baby. And I said, but I didn't want my story to end like you with just one child. I was determined. This has to be broken. Amen. With the cycle. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I see you. I see where you're coming from now. Like, okay, yeah, breaking that cycle. Yeah, just, the cycle had to be broken. Wow, I love that. I like, I like the fact that you had that awareness, you know, with everything going on, you still had this awareness of the generational aspect of it, not just your own, but just everyone that came before you and, and being so conscious about wanting to change that, that, you know, the trajectory of that. It was a conscious effort. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. I, can I, was imagine. I was like, I guess all odds, this yeah. is not going to continue. Wow. And would you say then that the um the experience of 14, 16 years of trying and then the IVF and then the surrogacy almost dying and all of that, would you say that, that the scars and the wounds of that are permanent? Or can you get to a point where you you've you've released yourself from that? Um, I've released myself from it, but it doesn't mean that I'll forget it. Mm. Um, I, I read a book on forgiveness um, by Paul Meyer. I don't even know if he's really, I don't even know if he's related to Joel Meyer or anything. And that book mm. is like 99 cents. And it's something I recommend to just about anybody going through fertility treatment because we have that um, unforgiveness aspect of yeah. ourselves. Yeah. The blaming game. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big reader, but for whatever reason, I picked up that book willy-nilly, randomly. And I, I think I was just desperate for a change, mm -hmm. for a yeah. break in cycling around the same thing. Yeah. And so in my own will, just picked up that book, started reading it. And it talks about how un, um, unforgiveness does not mean that you forget. And it does not mean that when you see the scar, you will not remember the story behind it. What it means, you will not feel the pain behind it. Right. Yeah. So I see the scar, but I don't feel the pain because when I look at my children, mm -hmm. it's all gone. Right. Now, every so often when I reflect, I will I remember it. Mm -hmm. Last week we were talking about um racial inequities in America, mm -hmm. it's impacted our healthcare system. Yeah. When I was talking on that panel, so to speak, mm -hmm. and I got to the point where I told my story about how I almost, I was on my deathbed mm -hmm. and I, my mind just took me back to the entire thing. And I started crying saying the system wow. robbed me in the wow. sense that I am a very well-educated woman. I choose to think I am. Yeah. I'm, I work in corporate America. Yeah. You know, it's not, the system doesn't care whether you're rich or poor. Okay. We're all put in the same box, mm -hmm. black. Mm -hmm. And it does not treat you with the same care that it would treat a poor white person. Mm. And so thinking about that made me like cry on the stage. Yeah. I got robbed. Yeah. You know, mm. it doesn't mean that I have moved on past. I have moved on. Mm. What made me decide that the system and whoever else and whatever else can try and put me down but I am not going to stay down. I'm going to stand up. That right. We went for baby number two. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I'm with you. So okay. it's like, so people are always like, oh, wait, in spite of all of that, you still went on ahead and had another. Yeah, conscious effort to do it, to say, system can try all you want. Yeah. Try all you want. Family, generational, blah, 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 blah. You can try all you want. Right. I was conscious, like you said. You would have had to be. All around me. Yeah. It's not something I'm just going to, it's not sheer coincidence. It's everything working against you. Yeah. And so you're going to consciously reverse it. But that that's what I'm saying. The act of doing that is the big part that I'm like, some people would have been like, you know what? One kid, I'm, this is my portion. 
let me let, let that be that you know and, and people and I wouldn't blame somebody for doing that in that, in that situation because they're just feeling quite defeated but you said no I will define what family what a family looks like for me and you just went for it and that's the part mm-hmm. that I'm just like good on you honestly good on you now that's what we're doing here you and I know we share a story because we want to stop yes this trend yeah yeah so it likewise with that same mindset things that have been happening Mm. generation they need not continue Mm. and actually hearing you saying that has made me feel like quite more empowered because people will say things to me like oh you know should you really be talking about this you know it's your it's your marriage blah 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 but what what the way you've just said it this whole idea of ending some of for me, it's a stigma because it's a stigma that's making you think that I shouldn't be doing this. Because actually, why should I not be talking about a medical diagnosis? That's just yeah. what it is. It is. You know? So, so I, I really like what you said about that. Um, it needs to be stopped. I mean. it does. To hear more about a queer surrogacy journey, go ahead and listen to part two of the episode. Mm-hmm.